Good morning and welcome to ASL's HR in 10. At 10. I'm Jason Perry. And I'm Kimberly Bradshaw. And in 10 minutes on a Thursday morning, we keep you posted on what's going on in the world of HR and employment law. Um, I kind of think, Kimberly, this isn't an HR story this week. We, we've got to talk about Ukraine, haven't we? Yes, although actually I do think it isn't an HR story. Uh, there'll be people that work uh, for companies. I mean, I, I know several locally that employ uh, Ukrainian nationals. Mm -hmm. uh, so they might have friends or relatives or colleagues that are struggling in Ukraine at the moment or, or, or refugees. Mm -hmm. um, equally, Russians might fear reprisals um but equally we're sort of potentially the closest we've ever come to third world war and the closest to nuclear impacts since the cold war so and you're a cheerful soul this morning aren't you yes, yes absolutely I'm, I'm normally the optimist but no. I, so i think there's a lot going on that would affect anybody there, who might be worried there is and actually it's not even just that while we look at this and you know you, you, you're right about a lot of what you say in fact all of what you say there um, but this is this is on our doorstep and yeah. actually it's not just that you might have staff who are ukrainian nationals or who are russian nationals but many organizations are also going to have customers or suppliers and their staff are going to be dealing with people in these countries normally. Um, and actually, I, you know, I have a good friend of mine who has an office in Kiev. Um, and I think he's got about 10 staff out there. And you look at the complication that brings to the HR perspective. Challenging times, isn't it? It is. But I think there's a lot that HR can do. Uh, you know, supporting individuals. I, you know, most HR people or, or owners of smaller businesses will know who Ukrainian nationals might be or Russian nationals. Um, they need to offer support uh, through employee uh, assistance programs or bereavement counselling yeah. or, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they could help maybe fundraising mm. activities. And actually, immediately, I, I, I'm just going to kind of disagree with you on air for a moment no i am it's gonna happen um good job we're recording know, it you're right we do know who let's say is ukrainian and who's russian but actually on a point of um dare i say discrimination we need to do this openly and this is about employee engagement yours are my favorite phrase and actually taking the whole workforce with us not targeting at those people Absolutely. I mean, it definitely needs to be done on a global basis for the organisation and saying, you know, if any, because as I said earlier, it's not just those two countries that are affected. Mm. Other people could be. Yes. People might want to go and fight, um, mm. you know, whether they're Ukrainian or not to, to support them. So it needs to be done to everybody. But I would certainly plan a support campaign and mm. then communicate to everybody and say, you know, no matter where you're from or who you are, um, if you're upset or stressed about this for whatever reason, yeah. come and chat to us and we'll do what we can. Yes. And again, it's not e I mean, the obvious one is, you know, I have a Ukrainian family member or I am Ukrainian and I'm worried. But actually, given the proximity to us of what's going on and the severity of what could happen, um, 
people who aren't Ukrainian or Russian equally will find themselves stressed by this. And it strikes me, if we've learned anything through COVID, there was, for a moment, I thought we might get through a whole HR in 10 without saying the word COVID. But if we've learned anything through COVID, it is about giving people um, that support and looking after um, well-being, emotional well-being of our people, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, certainly well-being policies rose significantly during the COVID, um, the early time days of COVID. And I think absolutely that's a time to, you know, if you haven't got them in place, put them in place. And if you have got them in place, look at what you can do. But also, um, I think it was the mental health and well-being lady at um, ACAS said that, um, you know, maybe relax some of your existing policies. So, mm. uh, you know, use of mobile phones during working hours, um, helping people with uh, communication with family, um, uh, be more open to using unpaid absence or special yeah. paid leave, things like that. But equally, I think, um, you know, as I said earlier, some form of bereavement. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, even from a kind of HR um, and payroll perspective, there may be something as simple as a kind of just giving support for, um, let's say, Ukrainian aid charities or something like that. There, there's so many ways yeah. in which if at this time we can make our people, our staff, feel a little bit more comfortable with, uh, I'd say not more comfortable with what's going on, but more able to deal with what's going on, uh, the honest answer is they become better workers, don't they? Absolutely. Um, again, it comes back to our favourite employee engagement. Yep. The more you support and, and listen and understand and show that you're doing those things, the better people perform, yeah, yeah. even when there's a, a crisis going on. I think there's more that line managers can do as well. So, mm. you know, maybe relaxing deadlines or being a little bit understanding, yes. maybe offering people some, you know, physical support at work mm. to, to, you know, help them move forward. Yeah. So you might be watching this and thinking, oh, no, another chore for me to do. But actually, I think this is enlightened self-interest. You get looking after the people right and you get better performance and productivity, don't you? Absolutely. Employee engagement every yes, time. Totally, totally. So whilst we're talking about that and talking about well-being, I, I kind of think that's a good cue to move on because there was some data. And I think if I recall correctly, it came out of some TUC research. Yes. Looking at, you, you obviously seen the same piece, um, looking, at, loosely, I'm going to say retirement, but it, it's not exactly retirement, is it? No, what the survey seems to indicate is that uh, more over 50s are leaving through ill health rather than retirement, mm. which is worrying. Yes. Um, you I think know, it's twice I... as many, I think, isn't it? Yeah, it's two, that's of, right. Of the people leaving between 50 and 65, Two-thirds yeah. of them, I think, are through health reasons and one-third are for retirement reasons. Yeah, exactly. And that's a big concern when, as employers, we're under-resourced and we can't find people. You know, we can't find new job applicants. We can't persuade our people to stay. But they're leaving, arguably, for something that maybe we can influence. Yes, I mean, certainly things like employee benefits mm. can be added in 
at a relatively small cost and mm. uh, for for employers and would certainly help with healthcare issues, uh, yes. you know, health concerns. Um, I'd be really interested to know what health issues they were because you know I've known women who have had to stop working because of menopausal yes. symptoms yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's small... a big that's a big issue in its own right at the moment a lot of people yeah. talking about that in HR about but, time too yeah, oh, yes but in terms of looking at that point and, and healthcare, we normally think of as a very expensive thing to provide to our people now this data, actually, interestingly, the first piece of data, I think, was the three months running up to September 19. So that's pre-COVID is really important. And then it was done in the three months up to September 21. So right in the middle of COVID. So I can't see this is, shall we say, pressure on the health service from COVID. This, this, this is a trend, isn't it? Absolutely, it is. And also, I'm thinking... Is it actually that they want to leave because of the working environment mm. and they're saying it's health reasons? Yes. You know, yes. there's all sorts of yep. nuances that could yep. be read into this. Yes. But it, again, as we've said hundreds of times already this morning, employee engagement. Hopefully. If you know what it is and you're, you know how you've to got the right it. culture, people will come to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at its simplest level, I mean, we've put something in for all of our um, all of our temporary workers and, you know, just think about that for a moment, where every one of them has access to a private GP if they're unwell. Um, and if we can do that for temporary workers, most employers can do those things. And small steps will make a tangible difference to the problem you're facing at the top level. Getting employee assistance programs in place, providing that support is going to help. But you raise a really good point. Is it shall we say, ill health, or is it the match between health and work environment? So some simple changes to the work culture could actually enable you to keep some of these people. And one of the biggest ones I saw come out of this, we often think about, dare I say, working age families, um, but flexible working for you know slightly older workers is something that makes a huge difference, isn't it? Mm. Very much so. I mean, we've been saying this all through COVID, their second mention of the week um, of COVID. You know, the more flexibility you can offer people, the more you will get out of yes. your employees. Absolutely. Well, Kimberly, as lovely as this has been, HR in 10 is nearly HR in 11. So once again, we filled our whole 10 minutes. Um, thank you very much for watching. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Kimberly. Likewise same time next week so thanks for now but bye bye see you again next week bye bye